Welcome to the Mad Writers Union. Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf. I'm Tim Berger. And I'm Nina Niskanen. So today, we're talking about making your characters suffer. (laughs) 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 I felt like that was appropriate for Mad Writers. Yes, that was entirely appropriate. So the thing is, I really like my characters. I really, really, really like my characters. So I don't want to cause them pain, even while I know that it's really good. Okay, so listeners should be aware, this is going to be an instructive episode this time because Nina has a problem. Yes, I do. And we are here to help. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Nina has a problem. Yes, I do. Because... I know that I want to write these characters that I'm writing for my space opera as a series, or I at least want to have the option. So I don't want to kill them, and I don't want to get them caught. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, they're pirates. They're not going to care about some f***ing world-destroying problem unless it's affecting them first. That's excellent. Can I explain why I think that is absolutely excellent? Um, Because I I think too many times, especially in science fiction, the problem tends to be the world's going to blow up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, a lot of people are going to die and blah, blah, blah. Yes, okay, that that is a problem, obviously, but it is a trope. Well, not unless you kill the dog. You can kill off entire cities as long as the dog makes it out. This is true. All right. Back on track. Yes. Yes. So... One of the things that I would want to address here, um, and you've actually gone through this book with me, uh-huh. uh, Libby Hawker's Take Off Your Pants. Mm-hmm. Take Off Your Pants is a character-based outlining system, and I found that it is probably the most effective way of figuring out conflict and making it much deeper, <laughs> and Tim is still giggling about the title of that book. I just want to <laughs> put it on record. I'm so glad that you explained this. <laughs> Because you led with the title. I did. I did lead with the title because it's a book uh, and it has a title. It has a great title. Anyways, the book Take Off Your Pants has a very unique, in my view, character outlining system. And I found that it's, it's really wonderful because it forces me to put my characters in situations where I'm pitting them against each other much more readily. Because that's actually the easiest source of conflict where nobody's life is in immediate danger is to have characters with conflicting goals especially if those goals conflict so completely that only one can possibly succeed and that whoever fails they may not actually be you know it may not be the end of the world but it it's the end of a certain way of life for them or it's the end of it still signifies an ending if that makes sense to fail at whatever it is that they fail at that's where i have problems because I mean, I can set characters against each other, Mm -hmm. but I always have a hard time coming up with conflicts that will cause a lot of pain to the character. So pain takes a lot of shapes. And I feel like, I mean, there's there's ways of doing pain that are, are, you know, physical or mental or emotional or whatever, you know, or even, I don't know, monetary, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of pain and the lack of permanence to them actually can be kind of interesting because 
even though it may be a short-term loss or a short-term failure, sometimes those failures, when they add up, are much more much more effective than a Death Star or an even bigger Death Star or an even bigger <laughs> Death Star. <laughs> a set of setbacks can actually be more effective than one big setback. So the try-fail cycle is one of those things that characters are supposed to go through, and it, it helps if you have more than one character going through that at a time. You're working with space opera, which is wonderful because you're almost always working with an ensemble cast, and that ensemble cast, even when they're ostensibly striving towards one main goal together, they are not striving towards the same small goals together. They're often at cross-purposes. And examining what your characters are doing and thinking, I think, is going to be part of this for you. So how do you pull your characters out of these losses? Because, you know, I, I, I tend to like hopeful things and I want to write them, but, you know. So let me ask you a couple of questions because I, unlike Jay, am not familiar with the story. So you've got a, a couple of pirates... So we're talking about like some anti-heroes, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Anti-heroes going up against probably what a government or something like that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the plot is. So. They're actually going against. Uh, uh, let's let's hear the elevator pitch. Well, it's basically a crew of pirates doing a heist mm-hmm. of a corrupt American cheerleading type <laughs> organization on championship day and stealing all their monies. Gotcha. But instead of cheerleading, it's space derby. <laughs> got it, got it. So we're talking so, Ocean's Eleven in space, Yes, we're, we're okay. talking Ocean's Eleven meets Guardians of the Galaxy. Gotcha. Personally, I like like using Leverage, the TV show Leverage, mm-hmm. because every, every, show, <laughs> every show is a heist. Yep. And it's, it's complete competence porn. But it's... Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the things that, that you just brought up there, actually, competency. So, um, competency can actually be... Yeah, I had a thought and it went away. Okay, oh, can I can I launch off of your competency? It. Please, please, please. The, I think the thing, uh, especially... Okay, sorry, you guys, you guys are probably familiar with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yes. The reason why I thought of that is because you've got some hyper-competent people in, in, that, in that program. Well, what's really kind of fun and interesting is when they put people that are competent in one field teaming up with somebody who's competent in another field and then in that something happens something the magical something happens where the competencies have to reverse and so there's there's a possibility there of course there's this that can also lead to some conflict the the odd couple put together and they're having a pissing match or something like that about who's better or whatever. So there's some possibilities there. Yeah, so Jay. so pinging off of that, because we're going to keep doing that apparently, um, <laughs> one of those things about competency that you were actually just talking about is that competency, even when characters are hyper-competent, is limited. And that can be a point of, of extreme and intense conflict and can also be a great point of pain for your characters when they don't have the right competency. Um, I actually had a nice conversation with Scott Lynch about this because I was struggling with the the main character in my uh, space opera (laughs) um, (laughs) where uh, I basically had done one draft where he was kind of 
too competent and everybody kind of hated him because he was not really relatable. And then the second draft, which is the draft that went to Viable Paradise, um, he was kind of uh, way more struggling in terms of competency. And uh, so I, I talked to Scott about it because I really wanted to get his opinion because he's very good at this with, with characters, yes. is managing competency in, in scenarios. And that, I think, is maybe something that you should look at, especially since you're going heist-wise, is mm-hmm. that situational competency is going to fluctuate. Uh, very high to very low in very random ways because behavior of people i.e. characters is not predictable and isn't really mm-hmm. it, I mean it's as much as we think like oh well there's two ways this particular scene could go and it's actually really more like four million <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know so you have to kind of like take it apart and if you're going to limit it to a few possibilities uh-huh. rank them rank those possibilities. So say your say character A, your your protagonist anti-hero person uh, is in a situation where they really need to rely on character B who is also an anti-hero but they maybe are a different kind of anti-hero, maybe uh, somebody that they're they're relying on for something but not necessarily trusting. Mm-hmm. What is the worst thing that could happen in that scenario? So I would say the worst thing would be that in some way person B betrays their trust and puts person A in danger Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and break down what that worst is I can't really do that for you because I've read what I've read but I haven't read I haven't read the whole book Mm -hmm. in any case so and really I mean list options one of the tricks that I do that kind of gets me out of ruts like that is I list all of the possible things that could happen and kind of rank them in terms of like this is plausible but doesn't get the story in the direction I wanted to go in. From there, I kind of look at, okay, implausible, but would do what I want. How can I tweak that to make it fit what I need it to fit for this? And then into, you know, this is both implausible and unworkable, and I can kind of eliminate those ones that uh, as they come up. I think sometimes when you find when you get in an implausible situation, though, is that especially if if you've thought about it far enough in advance, your mind will figure out a way to make the implausible actually maybe possible. If you can think far enough in advance of what those things are, maybe you can write, find yourself writing into that implausible situation even though... So I wouldn't necessarily rule out completely implausible. I'm saying rule out implausible that also doesn't do what you want. Oh, okay. Yes. And I mean, I get to a point sometimes where I have to literally write including things like kills of the kitten. Just saying. <laughs> And then I have to eliminate that because there are no kittens in this person. Here we go. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Like, there's what I mean by implausible is not like, oh, this is unlikely. I mean more like this is not a likely outcome of the scenario that I'm in. But I'm writing it down just so that I'm literally writing down whatever thing comes to me, and and then kind of like, well, okay, well that's implausible. But what would be plausible? When we were talking about hyper competent characters, um, Mm -hmm. for some reason I thought of. Uh, there's a Doctor Who episode, and this is during the Matt Smith epi- New Who and what have you, where he screws up. He makes a, a horrible miscalculation, but you understand how he got to that point. And there's this realization. You see, I mean, it, I mean, this is all acting and what have you. You see it kind of his the realization of what he did. So if you can kind of create the scenario where you have a hyper competent character that you see where they're going but it's the wrong direction and and, and mm-hmm. 
especially, and this is where I think if you're familiar with like mysteries and, and, and things like that, if you can weave in a little bit of here's what's going to happen, but the, the character who's hyper-competent is not aware of it, mm-hmm. you can see that train wreck coming. Yeah. Yeah, readers feel really smart when you give them that too. Yeah. Just enough, just enough seeds that they yeah, can I, see it. I, I don't... I don't know that I'm smart enough to do it in the second draft that is actually a first draft because it's a complete rethinking of the premise and mm-hmm. so on. So, mm-hmm. let's say that I now have characters who are caught in the act of stealing all the monies. They've been caught and they're in deep mm-hmm. shit. And how do they get out of it? If you go by like this per se Ocean's Eleven formula, not that you let this on, but getting caught is part of the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost almost always turns out to that that's what happens, is that getting caught is part of the plan. And I think some good books that do this well are the Harry Harrison Stainless Steel Rat series. Mm-hmm. They're really fun. That's pretty much, yeah, Slippery Jim Degrees, he's, he's a fantastic character. But yeah, I, I see what your problem is here, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a way around it because sometimes shit happens. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think you're onto something because that is really a, a hallmark of all heist fiction. That's a trope, Is yeah. that there's there's a contingency. Mm-hmm. And so I think you need to figure out what the contingency was, Yeah. backtrack, plant it in, move forward. Yeah. That's my general broad advice on that, not having specific details. Sure. And actually, um, what Scott Lynch told me is to plan a heist in reverse. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's a mystery in reverse. Mm-hmm. You exactly. you have the things and yes yes that's yeah that's great advice. So I think I've I've got some stuff to go on. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Get going from here. So. Not resorting to extreme measures in terms of uh, saving someone. And the thing with that is, too, that the way to avoid deus ex machina is to, and by that we mean the god and the machine, i.e. that that there is some greater force which causes the characters to go back where we want them to be without any real repercussions. Right. Um, So... One of the things I wanted to point out about that is that that it can take many shapes and that, and that the easiest way around that is, again, going back and planting the seeds for that to happen throughout the narrative. And sometimes that's easier to do in the second or third draft. It's a mm-hmm. lot easier to see where the bones are, assuming that you do some kind of outlining and some kind of plotting, whether you're using, I mean, whether you're using the outlines we were talking about, the, um, the one that Libby Hawker recommends, which is the, the current one I'm using. <laughs> Um, you can say it. Tim will never not <laughs> laugh. I love it. I'm get, I'm just going to bring this up every episode now, and he would just do nothing but laugh the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. If you use a plot-based outline, I actually find it a little more difficult to make these kind of changes, purely because then you have to reorganize the whole plot. Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you there. Go because, for it. All right, because I do do the plot outline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I think this is great advice I got from Stephen Brewst. Mm-hmm. The best thing, and I think this is pretty much a a good encapsulation of how he writes books, is he wants to see cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So if you see something, I I mean, if something really kind of gets you excited and you think it's cool, put it in there. And and then what you do, and, and I do this with my stories, is that... There are certain things that I wanted to see happen, so I put them in there, mm-hmm. even though they may not have made sense. 
And so then I, when I go through my edit, I saw you know where the holes were, and then I could backfill, and I could put in the, the the telling details that will actually make that cool thing happen, and make. So the cool thing is the only thing you, you yeah. actually contradict me on is that you use a plot outline and I use character outlines. Right. Merp, merp. <laughs> go back and fill in is is really I think um, pretty standard advice for anything like this but especially where you're going to have a complex plot which anything mm. that involves a heist is going to have layers of detailing with that yes yeah yeah and I don't I don't know how you uh, storyboard or actually in a heist mm-hmm. in a heist story especially if you're writing it out it, uh, something kind of familiar as a storyboard might come in helpful I had a writer friend of mine from a long time back. She used recipe cards, color-coded recipe cards, where she would write character cards would be like green and action cards would be in red and yellow would be conflict or whatever. Mm. And then she would put them on the wall and rearrange them as she saw fit. And then she was able to link them that way. She wasn't married to that idea. And elements could change as she went along, but she could at least, if you're a visual writer, you can actually look at it and be, mm-hmm. okay, I understand this. I understand where I need to go. Yeah, this is what I use uh, Scrivener for, because you can use labels on Scrivener to mark things, different colors and such. So, Tim, have you read any good books lately? <laughs> this is very interesting because I did not know that you were doing a heist book. Uh-huh. Um, so the book that I picked was Donald Westlake, The Hot Rock. Um, from and this, I'm reaching back here. This is such a good book. Uh, there's actually a movie of it. So if you don't have like the, the time to read it, there's a, a movie, and I, I can't remember who's in it. I think it's... Is it Steve McQueen? I, I can't remember. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but it, it's a heist comedy, um, basically, where they try to steal this jewel and it, just everything that goes wrong. They try to steal this three or four <laughs> different times. It's hilarious. But it's exactly talking. I think this would be particularly instructive for you because... You, you see the conflicts and you see where they fail and the fail bits are the, the, the funny bits and, and, and when they succeed at the end and, and stick it to the people that that deserve it more or less. It's very satisfying. So, yeah. The nice. serendipity there that I picked that. So. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Jay, what are you reading? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to have a bad reaction to that. Alright, so when I was in elementary school we used to have to do this book report thing and it used to make me an absolute basket case because they would make me list everything that i read in a week and until i proved to this librarian that i literally at that point in time was reading about 10 books a week because i was reading babysitter's club oh until i could prove to her i'm reading a stack like this i can't write all this down until i could prove to her that i'm not trying to shirk on my homework but it's literally like giving me a complex to try and name everything i've read that i get that same panic when i hear that question (laughs) so i think based on what we're talking about the book that i've read most recently that would be most relevant is jack of shadows by roger zelazny jack of shadows is about shadow jack who is an absolute anti-hero and 
his journey is is somewhere between revenge and redemption. The ending has a lot of a lot to offer. I'll put it Don't that way. Don't be spoilery. Uh, it's it, it is it was as far as books go. It's one of those books that I reread very often because it is an incredibly slim volume. I'm not sure if it's available on Kindle. Um, I'm looking on here and, and I can't find it. Anyway, so yes, Jack of Shadows, Roger Zelazny. It is an adventure, and and he is interesting because his style of description is very very sparse. But I actually have a very good visual from it. That's my recommendation. Nina, what have you been reading? So I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, a little bit older book, not as old <laughs> as the two of yours, but I'm going to. Go ahead with Valor and Vanity by Mary Robinette Cowell. Excellent. It's basically Italian job set in Regency Venice with nuns and magic. And it's awesome. And it's Mary Robinette Cowell, so... Yeah, true. And even though it's the third book in her uh, Glamorous Histories series... Uh, the the whole series is set up so that you can come in at any point. Excellent. This has been the Mad Writers Union. Now let's get to work. Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevinopod at IncompTech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have questions, comments, a burning desire to hear one of us warble a tune? Why don't you let us know? You can reach us at our website, madwritersunion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash TheMadWritersUnion You can tweet to us on our Twitter handle at MadWritersUnion and last but not least you can email us at MadWritersUnion at gmail.com And it's one of those things that my IRC channel actually all are take off your pantsers now and only some of them have read the book <laughs> um <laughs> anyways that, I digress that, I digress so doesn't that actually you know refer to all writers well some of us wear pants you do I doubt that I've seen you <laughs> oh my I God. wear pants <laughs> right <laughs> Digression. <sighs> you guys. <laughs> you guys. What? All right. We're all Amateurs. getting a little punch right. drunk at this point. Yeah, Mr. I Kill Kittens. Come <laughs> on now. Wait. No, hang on now. You don't know those kittens, man. <laughs> Are they really bad kittens? <laughs> they break in the law? Cat law? Okay. Side episode number one. <laughs> that that last Death Star, by the way, had air quotes around Big it. Big air quotes. Even, even bigger. Giant Death Star. Imaginary Giant air quotes. Imaginary Sailing air around. Quotes in space. <laughs>